And welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, the best beat writer on the Tigers beat. He was raised by T. Swift, but Lil Wayne taught him how to love. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Doing all right. Opening day. It's here. It's here. We got a little special episode to kind of catch up on all the topics. Uh, obviously, because we our go- last episode was horribly outdated. Horribly outdated. Um, can can I can I can I have a little bit of vulnerable Kieran here for a second, Cody? Can oh, I, can Kieran! I do that? Oh, Kieran was in love in Vegas. You know, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, let's hear it. we recorded that at eight a.m. Hawaii time <laughs> on my honeymoon. Honeymoon, and a freak accident happened that made what we talked about out of date. And then you know, I. How am I supposed to ask my fiance or my wife? Excuse me, I got used to saying that. Yeah, uh, uh, to like let me have more time. You know what I mean? Like the, for the people that were flacking us for that. Come on, come on. Yeah. But it's all good. And people, I I probably could have done it myself, except Kieran does the editing. I mean, I could probably figure out how to edit, but you know, that's look. I get like it's it's gonna be all right. We're doing an episode now. Anyone who wants to hear about Riley Green's injury. The Austin Meadows trade, this is for you. All right, so Riley Green. <sighs> that was my instant reaction as to seeing it on Twitter, um, both leaving the game and then when the news uh, became official. If you really wanted to get famous on Twitter, you'd post a video of yourself making that noise and then like breaking down into tears and, and doing something really dramatic. That's how you get, that's how you get a following. You know, I didn't think about that at the time, but the next time a major injury potentially derails the Tiger season, that is the play, my friend. <laughs> um, it was, it, but the, one of the things that we talked about in that episode, though, was like expectations being too high, and like what I said, what can bring me down? Little did I know that there was something around the corner that was going to bring me down. Uh, we're going six to eight week timeline. It's not, according to your sources, Cody, as bad as it could be. Um, is there anything else related to the green story, the green injury? When can we expect like an update, or when what what what's what do we know that hasn't already been put out there at nauseum? Yeah, I think you know my understanding talking to a, a doctor who's actually the orthopedic specialist for the Dodgers is that generally these inju- injuries you're going to go in and reevaluate the X-ray in a couple of weeks, I guess, probably to see how it's healing, make sure you didn't miss anything. Um, so I don't know if there'll be much of a formal update even then. You know, I think really it's wait until he can get back to doing some activity. It'll really be six to eight weeks before he's running. He's able to do kind of full weight-bearing activities. So when I say the six to eight weeks, that's like the preliminary timeline for him to, I think, be doing baseball activities. Um, then he, presumably he's going to you know, rehab a bit in the minors. Um, whether he goes straight to Toledo or plays a couple games in Lakeland, I don't know. But I could see that being not just like a two-game thing. They're kind of going to get him back into the swing of things. Uh, so right now, I mean, it's obviously hard to know. Everyone's going to heal a little bit differently, but I think we probably don't see Riley Green playing a major league game until early June at best, you know, maybe later into the month of June. 
I think there's a lot up in the air. Still a little bit about the injury we don't know, but that's that's kind of a rough uh, timeline that I think we are looking at. Again, the good news, had it been a displaced fracture, uh, he's going to need surgery. He's going to miss, I don't know, probably up to four months or more. So, right, um, bad, terrible, one of the very worst things that could have happened to the Tigers before the season. But uh, I, th I think we'll still get to see Riley Green um, a lot this year if uh, if the Tigers can just keep things together until the month of June. Well, the anxiety that was around the fan base uh, for the couple days after that as we're all trying to kind of talk ourselves into Victor Reyes, uh, you know, what does this mean for Daz Cameron, you know, oh, Derek Hill's hurt too, uh, you know, all of a sudden... Like, you start feeling kind of good about the bodies you have in February, and then before the season even starts, you're sort of looking around like, oh, yeesh, uh, we got a problem. And then, Monday night, I'm fighting tornadoes and power outages, I'm trying to watch National Championship college basketball game, and <laughs> I see the trade gets announced, uh, I don't believe, and I... Correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't because I want to give journalists credit. I don't believe it was broken by anybody. It was no, like all of a sudden was, the team just there. There's this is probably no one except me cares about this, but it's been really weird how some stuff around the Tigers has come out, like the bias stuff happening at three in the morning and John Morosi putting it out there. The you know in spring training, like I was not getting anything. The Detroit Free Press seemed to be having everything like right away. And then this trade was not on my radar. I had not heard a peep from anybody. And the national reporters don't break it. The Tigers' Twitter account puts it out. And then, like, all the national writers passing Ken Rosenthal at once kind of uh, are like, this trade happened according to sources. They were actually late. It had already been officially announced. So someone clearly, like, you know, sent a mass text or something to all the uh, national writers. I don't know if that was an agent, someone from the teams. I feel like the flow of information in the Tigers organization has been like kind of inconsistent recently, which makes it uh, kind of hard for me to do my job. But uh, it, it was weird, and it was weird that it was broken, uh, again, from the team's official Twitter account. It doesn't happen a lot. Yeah, so just to recap, Tigers acquired uh, Austin Meadows from the Tampa Bay Rays for Isak Paredes and a draft pick. Um and so, yeah, I'm sitting there at, at like, 10 p.m., you know, I'm kind of winding down, chilling, and the phone goes off, and it's like, it was kind of like when they traded for Tugger Barnard, although I got wind of that, but, like, when I first saw that, this offseason, I was like, wait, really? And I kind of just stared at my phone, I was like, this is, like, this is the verified account, right? Like, this, <laughs> you know, and I was like, all right, guess it's time to, guess it's time to get working. Uh, so super surprised, but a hell of a move at the end of the day. You know, I think this is the type of move fans want to see the Tigers make. I think this is the type of aggressive trade that the Avila front office can get knocked for not making. Well, here we are. It's time to compete. You suffer a big time injury and kind of at the 11th hour, the Tigers go out and get really good value. You get, look, Austin Meadows, some people, like, the more you look into it, the more you can find reason to knock any player. Like, yeah, he's not a very good defender. Yeah, he's he had a couple good years against lefties, but he's horrible last year against lefties. Bottom line is this guy can hit 25 to 30 home runs. This guy would have been your second or third best offensive player 
last year, and the projection systems love him, think he can have an even better year this year. He was an all-star in 2019. Like uh, the, the type of power bat I've wanted to see this outfield get for a long time, although left-handed rather than, than right-handed. But I think it's a great addition. Um, yeah, you lose a draft pick, and the Rays potentially could turn that into something good. But you're also at a point where trying to just stack prospects is no longer like the goal number one for the Tigers organization. And as AJ Hinch said, I don't know, like I still liked Isak Paredes. I still had some belief in him, but he was a guy who was kind of topping out at that AAA level. It was hard to see a clear path to a role. Um, I think the Tigers can feel just fine about parting with Isak given what you get in return. Yeah. So I jotted down, the winners of this trade and I'll I'll kind of justify it each one and then at the end Cody kind of give me your reaction um my first thought was this is this is a win for Al it's a it's been an off season of upgrades for uh for Al and if you want to go all the way back he turns a couple months of Justin Wilson and his son Alex into Jamer Candelario and uh, Austin Meadows. Basically, two, Austin Meadows, pretty good. Two, uh, two guys that. No, what, what was what was their wars in the threes? You know, like you know, that's uh, you know, give or take. I mean, that's it's hard to complain about that return. Um, I put Jamer as a winner because Paredes was the prize of that trade, and Jamer is like, uh, you know, we talked about it, you know, a lot in this podcast at the beginning of, of last season. And now he's a solidified starting role player, decent bat, important in your lineup, and good enough in the field. A guy that could be, you know, he just had a pay increase this year. A guy that, you know, we might be talking extension at some point. Uh, so I think he's the winner because he kind of outlasted the guy at his position who was considered the superior prospect. So I have him as a winner. I have AJ Hinch as a winner. Not only does he get another good player in his lineup to play with but i think this is another result of him ratcheting up uh intensity intensity urgency and just the standard of the franchise uh does this move happen with ron gardner i don't i don't necessarily think so let's be honest no i have akil badu as a winner because even though most say that he can't do it, he gets a, a legit center field shot. And if he wants to be a center fielder, here's your shot. So he's a winner for getting the opportunity. Um, whether he is that's going to be like something he can do on a regular basis is a different discussion, but I'm just saying he's a winner because he gets his shot. Um, here's one that not many people are thinking of, but I think it might be one of the bigger winners. Rob Manfred, and specifically his ownership team, because does this move happen without expanded playoffs? Maybe, hmm. maybe not, but with expanded playoffs, which was a big thing that the owners wanted, this is what I imagine the kind of thing that they would have wanted to see happen before like the season. It's like a team that, you know, gets some breaks, could make a postseason run goes and gets a solidified player and you know i kind of expected when when they're talking about al having the trade you know exploring the trade market i was like you know 
I expected like one of those like for cash considerations type players. Yeah. Maybe like another yeah. Victor Reyes. Oh, we talked type. about this. I thought it was the same thing. In the and, past when you'd see a report like that, it was like, Okay, so that means they're they're not doing anything. The Tigers just want everyone to know they tried. Yeah. That's seriously what I thought when I saw the Morosi tweet. I was like, Okay, well they called around a little bit and there's nothing that made sense and we're just gonna put it out there so people know we sort of tried. Uh, I guess those days are over because they made a real trade. And shout out to the Minnesota Twins, I think, for the deals they've done and mm-hmm. made a trade on opening day. Uh, I think that's very good for baseball. I don't know if the Rays trading an established player for basically, you know, nothing is exactly what Rob Manfred would want. But the Rays are really good at what they do, so I'm not going to knock on them at all because they, yeah, they, but they've got want... it down to a T, even if they don't really pay people. Yeah. That, Although they, yeah, they, yeah, look, they got Wander Franco anyway. Yeah, yeah. They, so with the new established rules, maybe it's correlation without causation, but the Tigers made a move they didn't necessarily have to do. They they upgraded in a way that was somewhat surprising. Maybe it's a result of more teams figure they got a shot at the postseason. Maybe, just so. Uh, so I had him as a winner. Obviously, Meadows is a winner just because he goes to a team that wants him. So, because he had been in, like, some trade you know rumors and all that stuff so obviously i'm not saying he's a winner because he goes from tampa bay to detroit specifically but just like when you get traded for you know that's somebody who really wants you so he's a winner he's a loser in terms of weather so (laughs) yeah true goes from the dome to uh uh, cold weather april in the d um i have miguel cabrera as a winner he uh, uh disagree Okay, okay, well, let me just say this. Well, there's another good bat in the lineup, and maybe it allows him to more naturally be placed in a slot that he probably ought to be, but before he didn't necessarily have anyone to push him, now he, now he can be naturally pushed. And if the team's better, Miguel Cabrera wants to win, this is a this is a, the team upgrading and, a, and making themselves more competitive in you know, his last couple of years. Uh, but rebuttal uh, yeah i mean in that in that way in terms of making the team competitive sure but as we've kind of forecasted for a while now there's going to be some kind of point and i don't know when exactly it is but where the rubber meets the road and contending as in 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 kind of direct opposition to having miguel cabrera in your lineup every day and as i start thinking wow this outfield suddenly got really crowded when riley green comes back it's going to be really crowded what if eric haas keeps hitting you know I think it's going to make sense to potentially, if everyone stays healthy, which is a major ask, uh, by the end of the season, like, is Miguel Cabrera your everyday DH, or is he taking up space on the roster? Even if he's hitting at last year's level, if Meadows and Haas are, are better performers and Akil Badu's hitting, like, it's it's just going to get tough. Like, I think this trade makes that scenario kind of more palpable, more realistic than it already was. Um, on another note, look, I kind of did a whole story breaking down the possible roster situations and thinking, oh, what does this look like into June and how's Hinch managed to line up against lefties? And I read, I read a really good column from Joel Sherman in the New York Post. He's talking about his first spring training covering Joe Torrey and the Yankees have eight starters competing for five spots and Joel, he finally gets Torrey one-on-one, like a relaxed setting. He's like, so like, what are you going to do? And Joe just goes... You and I both know I'm not actually going to have to make a decision because someone was going to get hurt. Someone was going to suck. Like, and sure enough, Yankees like 
break camp basically with six guys. I think one of them started the bullpen and then he sucked and then he got DFA. And like that, that's kind of a pretty blanket baseball setting. Like these decisions take care of themselves a lot. So I don't know what that looks like in June. It's probably silly to spend as much time as we already have trying to forecast it. Yeah, and lastly, I had uh, Christian Santana and Ryan Kreidler as winners because it's just one less body um, in the uh, infield shuffle and ceiling to get to the major leagues. You know, so I had them. Obviously, Santana's obvious. You know, down the line, but what's what's to say? Kreidler, big time winner. Yeah, Kreidler Kreidler might just be. Time. We're about to talk about Kreidler might just yeah. be your next man up. You know, like keep in mind. Keep in mind, everybody. There's that opt out. After year two, right? Uh, in in the in the Baez well, for Baez and Scope has an opt out after this year. Yeah, so You're now in the spot. Yeah, so these guys have less in their way, so they're they're winners, uh, in my opinion. Um, any 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 other winners? Any other thoughts on that? I think I think we covered pretty much all I can think of. Yeah, that's it. All right. So so speaking of Kreidler. Keith Law did his projection. Loser for outfield defense. Loser for outfield defense. Like, I'd, I'm worried about Akil playing center. Okay. Good for Akil for getting that opportunity, but Meadows is a meh defender. Akil, I don't know. Grossman's pretty good in right, but um, that, I'm, I'm not super confident in that. Well, one, of the thing, one of the things I did tell you was that, you know, Lombard about to earn his paycheck. Yeah. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe the Tigers are like, you know what? We're so good at just positioning these guys that they don't have to be able to cover that much ground. I mean, they're yeah. good at it, you know? Maybe so. Your yeah. infield defense is going to be way better. Maybe you can afford to uh, not have, like, a ideal guy better. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so, so we'll see. We'll see on that. Um, so so Keith Law does his projections, and, 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 and I laugh – kind of ha- I, I like half jokingly laugh and about like putting the tigers last i i laugh because it's keith if it was anybody else i wouldn't have laughed but it's sure. keith so i laugh that's not to say however that it's an indefensible position it's 100 percent because it's a it's a it's a division that is also is good but at the same time like there's a lot of areas i don't know what to make of it um so to just like automatically assume you're gonna have a better record than the Royals, for instance, is, you know, in my opinion, the wrong thing to do. Like it could happen. It could happen. So it's defensible, and I know Keith is very smart. He looks at a lot more numbers than I do, but he had something in there that really stuck out with me. Um, he had a line in there about Kreidler, and he said he should be in the lineup by midseason, and that was it was a one-off sentence. And I read that, I texted you immediately, and, you know, I was, you know, thinking about it. I happened to be at a little bit of, you know, at a bar, so I'm, like, reading all this stuff, waiting for uh, my wife to to get off work. And to me, I that's a sentence that needs more context. To say that Kreidler's going to be good enough to be in lineups in June or July or whatever, fine. But that sentence to me reads like... There's a spot here that we're just waiting for him to take. Uh, like like he's Riley Green, if Riley Green didn't break, or Spencer Torkelson, like, you know, there's a spot there for him. Kreidler, where's the spot, and, and if my assumption is correct with how I read that sentence, 
where's the spot waiting for him? Yeah, okay, you got Scope at second, you got Torque at first, you got Baez at short, you got uh, Jamer at third. Um, that's not to say injuries won't happen, because they will. Um, that's not to say he won't get a call-up because they're going to need him, but they probably will, as with the Tory uh, anecdote suggests. He also did hit two home runs uh, yesterday in... Uh, <laughs> And, you know, and, and had a good spring training. Like, he is worthy of it. I don't want this to come across as, like, an anti-Kreidler thing. But that sense alone kind of was like, what do you mean, like, he should be in lineups? Like, to me, that meant there's a spot waiting for him. They just kind of want him to get a little more seasoning as opposed to they're eventually going to need him because injuries happen. Does that make sense? Like, that's that. Yeah, it was. It, I think it was weird the way he wrote it. Like it was like, yeah, he's gonna be in the lineup. And so, sure, my question is, where, where is that spot? Where is he in the lineup? But I don't know. I don't know if it's that crazy. Like I think, I think that's more likely than the Tigers finishing in last place. And again, I think there's a world in which the Tigers could finish in last Absolutely. place. But I think Kreidler getting a lot of like. I was starting to buy into this at the end of spring training when Kreidler just kept making plays and he just kept hitting the ball. And his strikeout totals in the minors were high last year, but the scouting knock was like, oh, he swings and missed too much. I've not seen it. I've not seen him play every single day, but some play a little bit in the minors, some play all spring training. I've not seen him as a guy with a big swing and miss problem. It seemed like something he's already improved a lot. You know, now it's like, oh, can he handle top top in velo and top in spin well that's a question for every player who's ever played the game like i think we're now getting into a point where maybe some preconceived notions that oh kreidler's not actually that good of a hitter and now we're kind of trying to defend these notions because they appeared on some mlb pipeline scouting report and i kind of asked kreidler about that and he Ryan Kreidler is the son of a sports writer one of the very best interviews in the entire organization and he was kind of like uh yeah like can't pay too much attention to scouting reports and 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 that's all i want to say about it uh which was like middle finger my sense was like oh (laughs) this really irks you bro and i actually talked to him about it like you know away from the recorder afterward to just clarify that i didn't mean like that i thought he you know strikes out too much or whatever and you know we kind of talked about just like yeah it's easy to get labeled with something that appears in one scouting report so the more I see Kreidler play, I'm like, okay, Isak Paredes is now gone. Uh, Willie Castro, like, seemed like the Tigers were dying to find a way to not have to put Willie Castro on the opening day roster, and they got it in the Meadows trade. Loser Willie Castro of sure. the Meadows trade. Um, and I'm like, okay, say there's an injury. Say Jamer Candelario tweaks his, his groin, and he's going to be out for two weeks. Who's the guy you're calling? If it's right now, maybe Willie. But if it's like, you know, a month or two into the season and Kreidler is raking, which that's all he's done for the past year, you know, I think he's the guy I'm calling. And then, okay, who's going to play every day at third in the interim? Harold Castro or Ryan Kreidler? And start playing them both. I have a feeling five at-bats every single day, defense, you're going to end up taking Kreidler. Um, that doesn't mean he sticks in the lineup the rest of the season, but like, I think he's, I think he might just be your next guy up real soon. I don't think it's out of the question because he just continues to perform, outperform the scouting reports to look like a major league player. Again, I'm not, I still know exactly what his ceiling is. 
I still like the Jordy Mercer comp a lot. Guess what? Jordy Mercer was a really good, relatively good uh, major league infielder who also just retired. Oklahoma State alum. Shout out Jordy Mercer. No shame in a 10-year major league career, right? Uh, yeah, and, and I agree with everything you said. It was just more about the phrasing that kind of stuck with me. And the I, yeah. phrasing could have been, like, explained better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, well, why don't we move on to uh, an off-the-field topic. Uh, the the Detroit Roots are here to stay, Cody. Um, we, we have the official retention of the hashtag and the marketing slogan and all that stuff and i believe this is year three year three of detroit roots uh two or three i don't remember 2020 i like to race it from memory it's definitely not two because i remember last year oh no it's three it's three yeah yeah so yes you know is you gotta do a little revamp team a little bit you know you got you don't necessarily you know kind of you got some more marketable players like you know a little fresh hashtag might have done you a little good, you know. Um, so, <laughs> so I uh, jotted down some suggestions. Most of these are terrible and intended to be funny because, uh, yeah, we like to have a little fun here. But I was also I looked up last year's hashtags, and boy, are there some terrible ones. Like for all the major <laughs> league teams, uh, the Yankees are squad up. It's like okay, uh, some of them are good. Like ring the bell for the Phillies. Uh, the Pirates, let's go Bucks. Okay, uh, Dodgers and Rockies are literally just Dodgers and Rockies. That's it. There's <laughs> nothing, nothing else to it. Uh, Seattle, see us rise. S E A. I like that. I like that. Um, together, Royal for the Royals. Like you know, the Twins are just M N Twins. Like I like the Royals one. I don't like the Twins one. So the point is, I say all that stuff. Raise up is the raise one. To say that these are dumb, but you can't tell me they're that much more dumb than some of the ones I just read. So, I'm just going to list them off. Hopefully some people will find them funny. Don't think I this is too serious. It's a little lighthearted humor as we approach opening day. Uh, can't be tamed. Untamable. The D. For the D. Team. I don't know if you're just going to put your, you know mascot what? name there just team just team i don't know why not is that any more dumb than what they just did team tiger ball ready to pounce on the prowl prowl in bengal ballers the hunt hunt together alavia for president pizza pizza going deep defend the d D-ball, Secession Plan, because of Chris Illich. I need a Chris Illich one in there. He, he looks like the guy from Secession, as we can talk about. Fur, the win, F-U-R, and We Roar. So those are my suggestions. I just gave 20 of them. Some of them are better than what Major League Baseball teams are using right now. I uh, I like We Roar. I like, uh, I think, Untamable and some of those. I, I think... I don't know what these conversations are like, but I'm sure the marketing department does have to be very, very careful. I think everything that involved the D, you would probably have to nix for obvious reasons, because uh, you're not trying to get made fun of a lot on Twitter, you know? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. there are a couple other ones like, oh, could that have some sort of sexual in- innuendo or like, 
on the prowl doesn't necessarily sound great, you know, in certain contexts. So sure, I think you got to sure. be really careful. I think Detroit Roots is a very good slogan, but I definitely would have liked to see some fresh stuff. I'll be interested to see on opening day what the presentation, the game day presentation is like, because so far I was hoping for a little better promotion of these new players. Um, I feel like it hasn't been super easy from a media standpoint to, you know, Eduardo Rodriguez, for example, and, and some of that's like his personality, but um, overall, I think these guys could have been pumped up a little more. And then MLB's lockout hurt the momentum league-wide for like, you know, hyping up your signings, but I'll be interested to see. I think a good way to do it would have been like a brand new marketing package to kind of signal a new era. I think that would have been uh, would have been sensible. But I also think I'm sure it's easy to sit here and criticize when there are a lot of factors that go into all this. Sure. And if I would just like to correct the record on a couple of things, the ones that I would actually sort of pitch or at least want to like workshop would be re- we roar um, and something about the hunt, especially like. Uh, you know, the, Michigan's a big hunting state. I don't know how controversial that is, but it's a big hunting state. And, uh, you know, the playoff hunt, like going after, you know, wins and, and all that stuff, like hunt together. Tigers oh, aren't so you, um, you, owner of six animals, you actually hate, you hate animals. I, I see what you're getting at here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pete is going to come after the Tigers for that one. And, yeah, sure. I mean, Alavila for president is pretty, uh, I, I think you could roll with that one. <laughs> By the way, if PETA did come after the Tigers, I think that would cause Alexis to drop the Red Sox as her favorite team. Wait, and, wait, wait. Uh, Kieran Alavila is not born in the United States. Do you hate the Constitution? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Well, you know, we'll get an amend- amendment so that we can get Al to be president of the United States. Uh <laughs> All right, well, uh, speaking of, like, an actual good nickname, Javi Baez, uh, you wrote about him. Uh, There's a mystique, and I use that word purposefully, with Javi Baez, but you had the ability to kind of go beneath that without really talking to him. And one of the things that we do on this podcast is we like to kind of peel the curtain back, as I've said a million times. And you kind of just did that yourself in the story, which you do occasionally. It's not the only time you've done it. Um, so take me through this bias story, this very emotional, like, deep story about a man that is has been beloved and has also been vilified. I mean, they still talk about him on New York radio as just like a quote-unquote not New York guy because of the thumbs down thing. Uh but there's a lot of substance to Javier Baez in addition to the style that he shows on the field. Yeah, I don't, man, I don't even know. I guess I'll uh, begin at the beginning, you know. it's Look, they signed Baez. You got to do a big story on the new star player. And MLB's in this lockout, which in some ways made certain guys easier to get. And, you know, I hit up his agent in January, and I'm just like, you know, I've got to do a big profile about Javi. I know some of the background on his family. I just wanted to see if there's any any other angles you think might be pertinent to hit on and if, uh, if, if maybe we could set up an interview. And I have a really long call with the agent um, in which he, he really kind of proposed a whole different angle, I think, because the, the family stuff has been talked about a ton in Chicago and New York. This was also a reminder that not everyone automatically knows about, though. I had like six people come up to me in person today and were like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know any of that. So, you know, Tigers fans aren't reading the Chicago Tribune every day, of course. That's just how it goes. 
But anyway, his thing was there are just so many misconceptions, even in the game, about Javi, about his, his work habits, his approach, whether his game will translate into his 30s, and that kind of knocked him, obviously the agent wants this part in there, that that kind of knocked him in contract negotiations, and certain teams weren't willing to go long term, and he, you know, we kind of talked about doing maybe a story that was more about the misconceptions of Javi and what he's doing now at age 29 on a big contract to prove that he is fully mature. He does have work habits. He does have these routines. And I think he did a lot of stuff, change up his offseason regimen quite a bit. I don't know because that interview, as the story says, never, never really happened. Um, and I don't blame anyone for that necessarily. I mean, I think the the lockout messed things up. Part, the reason I put it in the story was because the agent didn't want to just call Javi and be like, yo, are you down to do this interview? He wanted to talk to Javi in person, tell him like it was going to be a real like in-depth story in which he could share some of his feelings about how he's perceived. And he thinks Javi, he's old school. He responds to stuff a lot better. Uh, well, Javier was in, was in Puerto Rico and they had arranged to visit and it didn't work out for some reason. And then he was supposed to go find a new house in Florida, but the lockout happened. So he pushed that back and then it's condensed spring training. And there were like two different times. It was like, Oh yeah, we'll get an interview set up for the next couple of days. And, but then the agent was busy with arbitration and, you know, I talked to Javi very, very briefly in the clubhouse. I went up to him one day and I was like, yo, your agent, Nick, we, I think he talked to you about doing this story, hoping to do it sometime this week. And, I don't know how much it registered with Javi. He was just like, oh, yeah, cool, man. That's what he said. I was like, he seemed fine with it. I don't know if he knew, like, I don't know how much he processed, like, if he correlated me with the conversation he theoretically had had with his agent. Um, it was one of those things that just, like, never happened. That happens sometimes in the job. Um, and I think it would have been a much different story if it had happened. I think in some ways it would have been nice to hear more from him, quiet guy, maybe him to bear his real feelings and that's why i didn't even want to do it like in the clubhouse because there's always a layer of um i don't know kind of inauthenticity even in the best like locker room interviews it's just not a setting to really open up about stuff um as a result of that i did a lot of digging a lot of calls talked to the guy who's done some of his more intimate tattoos the portrait of his late sister um, albert garcia who's a terrific interview some guys, the, the Cub Scouts that found him and kind of vouched for him, um, where some other teams backed off because they were concerned about his makeup, despite not really knowing or understanding him. Uh, and then I talked to three different high school teammates, and it was, it was really cool to hear from them. I wasn't really sure how that would go. Bias played at kind of this sketchy school, and I was like, it like came over from Puerto Rico. He didn't speak much English. I wondered if he was one of those guys who rolls in hits some balls out of the yard and doesn't really have anything to do with anybody, if that makes any sense. Uh, these guys seem to really love Javi. Like, it, it, like they seemed not only proud of him, but they seemed like they really liked him and enjoyed their time with him and getting to know him. And one of the guys, he became like a regular on their family farm because he's like a, a country kid at heart. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, he likes to ride four-wheelers and feed horses and, and uh, you know, chase creatures in the woods and stuff like that. So that was Big really interesting guy. to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Huge animal guy has dogs, cats, takes in strays. Uh, so I feel like I learned a lot through that level of reporting that I probably would not have otherwise. 
But at its core, the story is about the losses he suffered, his father, his sister who had a, a spinal cord condition. Um, she wasn't supposed to live more than a few hours at birth. She ended up making it 21 years. Those stories have kind of been told, but it was also about... Um, you know, his introverted nature, why he can be misperceived for that, why he can also be perceived for the flamboyancy on the field, how different his on-field game is from his actual regular life personality, kind of just trying to make sense of a complicated guy, make sense of what drives him and why he is the way he is. Yeah, look, he strikes out a lot. I get that. The story did not say he's not going to strike out a lot, but I hope it... um, helps humanize Javi and put just his story and his journey in a lot more perspective as you watch him this season. Yep. And, uh, and I thought that's exactly what it did. It humanized him greatly. Um, like I said, there's a lot more to him than, uh, than the flashy play and, and, and the thumbs down and, and all that stuff. You also wrote about torque. Uh, these there's still, is there still a, uh, offer for the athletic right now uh, yeah one dollar a month for your first six months big time offer big time offer so you can read that story you can read cody uh sort of trying to go in depth on special torkelson but in a vastly different way let's hear some in-depth journalism you find out torkelson i'm like what can i say new about this guy like what is the angle i'm like searching for two weeks i just come up with nothing and i'm like well, that's going to be the story. The story is going to be that this dude is incredibly uninteresting. He's just a chill guy who hits baseballs. And it's like, well, if you want to help someone get to know, the fans get to know Spencer Torkelson, like, that is the story. There's no great drama, but um, hopefully it gives you a perspective of what he's like. And then I'll have a, a shorter story on Eduardo Rodriguez, who was tough to corral this spring, but not everyone knows. He was right-handed until he was eight. He fell off his dad's truck, broke his elbow, uh, was in a cast for like a year, really bad break, and a doctor told him he couldn't throw with his right hand anymore. He became left-handed at like nine years old, and now he's starting opening day for the Tigers as a left-handed pitcher. Yeah, it's very impressive. Uh, yeah, looking forward to, to Unfortunately, reading Unfortunately, you'll probably notice that story doesn't have quite as much detail because it was, <laughs> it was difficult, but... Hey, that's all right. The end result's still fine. That's fine. People appreciate it. People get a kick out of it. Uh, all right, we'll wrap up here. I wanted to keep this shorter, sort of like a commute to work. You're on your way to the ballpark type deal. Um, I got a bold prediction, Cody. Do You uh, You kind of hinted at yours already. Do yeah, you I got one ready to go. I mean, all right. I, uh, I'll do it since I already basically said it. I think Ryan Kreidler gets, I'm going to put the number at at least 200 major league at-bats this year. I think there's going to be an injury and he's going to be the next guy up and he's going to play well. And how many ABs depends a little bit on the performance and the length of maybe certain injuries. But I'm not going to go Keith Law and say he's going to be in the lineup every day by midsummer, but I think he's going to get minimum 200 major league bats this season. All right. That's my bold prediction. For the people that didn't listen at this time last year, Cody was spot on with his bold prediction. Michael Fulmer bullpen weapon was your uh, prediction my prediction of daniel norris being a serviceable starter was uh not as great but i just watched daniel pitch a couple nice innings for the cubs today with his new whirly sweeping slider yes good for dan (laughs) for the podcast showed off the athleticism too uh, he did uh so my bold prediction is very bold and you know not inconceivable 
I think Tarek Skubal will make the all-star team. Ooh. And he's going to get the win. He's going to come Whoa, in in a tight spot. He's going to come in in a tight spot. They're going to, you know, some lefty portion of the lineup and then just fan like three guys, no, you know, three strikeouts, strikes out the side and then gets the win. That's my prediction. Comes in in a key right. spot, gets the win. That's my bold prediction. All-star, all-star game winner. I like that. I like that a lot. That's a great prediction. Yeah, because, you know, if there could be a lot of Twitter hype with him this year. He gets off to a good start. Yeah, was it oh, Pitching yeah. Ninja? Is that what uh, the Twitter Pitching account Pitching Ninja is all over him, yeah. Yeah, so that, I think it could happen. I think it could happen. Um, all right, we'll go ahead and get out of here. Uh, be sure to follow Cody on Twitter, at Cody Stavenhagen, for all these story links and updates and analysis as games are happening. The Tigers are playing baseball in 2022. It's a great day. The season is here. Um, hope you guys enjoyed some of this banter, some of these serious and not so serious ideas that we may come up with every now and then. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you so choose. I'm at Kieran underscore Steckley. If you feel so inclined, please follow or excuse me, subscribe to our podcast, Apple and Spotify. And uh, again, feel so inclined. A little five star review. If you if you if you feel like you gotta give us less than that, that's fine. We can take it. We'll take it on the chin. Um, but we enjoy all the interactions and, uh, and kind words that we get from people. So um, the season's here. I'm very excited. I'm excited to see what you got uh, coming down the pipe, Cody, as well. So hope everybody. What's, what's that Michael Jordan meme? Like, and then I took it personally. If you give us less than five stars, I'm taking it personally. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Thanks to Cody for squeezing us into his uh, tight schedule here. And I hope everybody who's going to the game enjoys the game and we get a fun and interesting team to watch. Stay warm. Have some drinks. You're going to need those to stay warm. I may or may not visit a couple establishments after the game. So let me know where you guys are partying. All right. Again, at Cody Stavenhagen. Holler at your boy over there. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I'm Kieran Steckley. Everybody enjoy opening day. 